Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Chargers podcast with another winning feeling, actually. You're getting used to this one, aren't we, Ash, a little bit? It's, it's crazy, isn't it? Two wins in a row. <laughs> what plan yeah. are we on? Is it 2020? <laughs> Two uh, satisfying wins, I would say, as well. I know I spoke about it recent, uh, sorry, earlier on in the season and you know, a bit last year as well, I think we're both like that, where we weren't really satisfied with a few wins. You know, the Chicago game last year, the Bengals game earlier this season. Um, but these ones are nice, you know, especially over the Raiders as well. So we were just talking before we got on that. It's always nice to get one over on the division rival and a first divisional win since 2018. It's been far too long. Yeah, definitely. That's it's, that's crazy, isn't it, really, if you, if you think about that with the divisional record that we've got. But it's it was one of them ones where... <clears throat> It's it's kind of it's kind of left me a little bit deflated in respect that I wish we would have maybe picked up these kind of wins earlier on in the season to give us a bit more hope mm. towards the end of the year to think that we could have made the playoffs because there if if we had played like we did in these last two games against some of the other teams that like you said maybe not the Patriots for example but sure, yeah. some of them other games like the Raiders the Broncos the Panthers there's other wins there that they, there was possibly there could have been winning outcomes there and, and we just let it slip. I mean, and, even, I'd, I'd even go a bit further and say even like the Chiefs and the Saints game, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. so there's been, it's just, it's it's come where it's given you a little bit of hope a little bit too late down the line, but not get away from the game itself. The game itself, like I said, it was, it was, it was, I said to you just before we came on, it kind of reminded me, obviously it was a different outcome, but it kind of reminded me of the state, the Saints game where, one minute you think you're going to win, then you think you're going to lose, and then then they come back second half and oh we, we might win this, and then there was a missed field goal, and then it went into overtime similar to the Saints, and then they got the ball, and you're thinking oh here we go again. Mm, as soon as you lose a coin toss, <laughs> and then obviously with the drive at the end with uh, with the uh, the sneak, <laughs> if you can call it that, yeah, nothing more scrap than sneak, but yes, um, at the end they uh, they got they got it out of the bag, and there was there was. I think it was a all round. It was a it was a nice game to watch. Very similar to the Falcons in that respect as well. It was. It was. It was. It was definitely like I said before, a satisfying win, hard fought win. Um, yeah. Obviously, like you say, very close game. Obviously, went down to overtime, and then you lose the coin touch. Thinking, well, that's kind of you know put their chances up a great deal. But yeah, it's nice to get that winning feeling, as we said. I mean, I hate you know when you watch the press conferences after the game or the morning <laughs> after, however you however you go about it. You know, and you've got Justin Herbert there, Bosa there, Allen there, and they're all so dejected. And you just think, you know, these guys play their asses off and they're great players and they deserve better. Um, you know, and there's various reasons. We won't go into it too much, you know, why the team's lost these close games over the season. You think most of the time it's not the guy who is doing the press conference, players-wise, who's messed up. And, you know, that's the reason why they're losing. You know, and you think, you know, you're being the hook there to make you know the reasons and you know talk to the media in front up about a loss that kind of wasn't your fault and you kind of deserve better um, so it's nice to kind of see smiles on people's faces and people you know much more positive about yeah. you know the the result and things like that yeah and it's especially with obviously with the news broke it was early on in the week that they were talking about not sure if Allen's going to play not sure if Williams are going to play and and then Herbert can't basically Rolled his rolled his sleeves up and and done it with with um, Goiton, Tyron Johnson, KJ Hill, pretty much. Do you know what I mean? The other yeah. two were pretty much non-existent. So you can't even say that. Like in some respects, a, a lot of a lot, we've heard. I saw a few things on Twitter going around about uh, about Tua saying that oh it, it was he was it was a really hard for him to do anything with some of the players that he didn't have there. And I was thinking, did you did you watch the Chargers game? Like Herbert had nobody. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he had a load of undrafted guys and a few round seven guys and still put up a win over a seven, a seven and six team as they are. Mm. Or seven and seven now, obviously we yeah. beat them. Seven and seven team. So, yeah, like, the I think that they you, you, you knew straight away that you were going to miss Keenan Allen in the game, but I didn't think we missed him as much as I thought we did. And then, in some respects, it kind of highlights the point now as well that we don't need to go receiver early in the draft because Herbert can basically make magic with low round undrafted guys. Mm. Um, and as long as you, they're hardworking guys and that they, you can get them in the building and you can get them to 
get them to get open a little bit. I mean, Herbert will just find them. So yeah. I think it, it just proved more. I think it really did highlight the point where, because a lot of mock drafts recently have had Jamar Chase and stuff and Devonta Smith now, we're down to nine, um, that we can get mocked to, which is, which I'm not saying they're not good players, they're very good players. Of course, but yeah, yeah. It, it does highlight the fact that we there's there's bigger needs than wide receiver because Herbert can get it done with, with pretty much nobody's there, so... Absolutely, yeah, I completely agree. And I've never been one on the early wide receiver bandwagon. Um, I know it's gathered some pace quite recently. You know, people are starting to think about Mike Williams. He's not had the greatest season. He doesn't look like he's got an on-field relationship with Justin very much. And it is a bit concerning. So I can I can see where the, the thought comes from. Plus, you know, people like a flashy pick, don't they, and things like that. People mm-hmm. don't want to be taking guards or tackles or... yeah. You know, the unglamorous positions in, in the top 10, but, you know, needs must sometimes. And I think, yeah, we definitely need to turn our attentions to to somewhere else on the on the team with the, the early picks. Yeah. just want to kind of pick up on a couple of things that you mentioned there throughout. Um, <clears throat> you're right in, in terms of, like, obviously, Justin was dealing. He was playing really good football. But, I mean, Guyton and Johnson played really well as well. Yeah. You know, it's not like... I mean, I know Justin's elevating them with his throws and things like that. And, you know, yeah. Hunt Henry's playing as well. So it's not all the... Um, the sort of late round guys or undrafted guys, but these guys are good. Like these are good finds. These guys, you know yeah. what I mean. Like Guyton yeah. has been a real good find this year, and yeah. obviously lately in, in the most recent weeks, Tyron Johnson's really come to the fore. Yeah. And in the last two weeks, in these last two wins, he's shown himself to not just be a, a deep threat that can catch a fifty yard touchdown every now and then. Yeah, he is beginning to remind me of Tyrell Williams a little bit. Yeah, you know, in the way that he's become like a bit of a flyer. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the nine routes and things like that, catching these long passes. But then also, he's showing a little bit of normal nuance, but he's also a, a, a pass, not for a, a deep, not just, I don't mean just a deep threat at this moment, but he's like threatens the, the long and intermediate routes as well. He's not just, you know, short the sticks guy and a yak yeah. kind of receiver, but he's able to take these, you know, corner routes and, and these other like long and intermediate throws and, and really pick up some nice chunk yardage. And we've really benefited from that from, well, both guy and actually, I'm kind of not talking about him in this phrase as well, but he's definitely done that as well. And, you know, they're prone to a couple of drops here and there, but like you said, they're hardworking guys and you can see that it really affects them. And a lot of the time they come back. Mm-hmm. Like I've noticed with Guyton over the past couple of weeks where he's had like maybe like a vital drop on third down, like an early drop in the game, but he comes back, he catches the next few and he yeah. kind of forgets about it. It's like an, a short memory kind of guy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's good in that way that he can kind of come back from that, especially because he's, you know, such a young player, um, yeah. you know, playing his first proper season in the NFL. And he's become an asset, you know. And like you say, if you got Allen, obviously he's the absolute star. If you've got Williams on his fifth year next year, or, you know, if we decide to go another way either after next season or beforehand, you know, because that can always be rescinded, that fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. And you've got KJ Hill, Tyron Johnson, Guyton, Hunter Henry, sorry. And then yep. Eckley, you've still got loads of weapons out there for just, you know, you can add in a, you know, a late guy or a day two guy receiver. To or even a free agent out. in like, like you said, you don't have to go and get your big guy in free agency, but there's nothing stopping you going to get a, a, a veteran that's been around maybe one or two teams that knows, knows his bit. And then you can bring him in for certain situations and use him as and when, do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. there's not, there's nothing stopping them going to pay a vet something like, two or three million for the year and, and use him accordingly as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that my initial thought is we've been burnt by that route a couple of times recently. But yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't disagree. It's horses for courses. Obviously, you can't tie from the same brush. Yeah. The, the second thing I'll... I never... Sorry, oh, sorry mate. It's no, not, no. I, never, I never worry about one-year deals, though, to be honest. One, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go into like three or four-year deals, but I'm, I'm more than happy to get a vet in for a one-year deal as sort of like your fourth or fifth guy, if, if the free agent, if say if the draft didn't fall exactly how we wanted it to as a wide receiver, mm. not say that, that you can get pick one up in, there's it's quite deep, so you can pick one up in quite a few rounds, but say if it didn't quite fall, there was other needs or better players on the board at certain picks, mm. then there's there would not be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be okay to going out and just picking up a guy for a one-year deal for sort of two, three million and, mm. and using him as and when. Yeah, I mean, you can you can disposable. They're disposable then, aren't they? You can exactly. Yeah, but they don't work out. The um the second thing that I wanted to mention is kind of picking up on what you were saying about Tua and Miami fans. What is up with Miami fans? Have you seen this sort of thing? Yeah, they're, a bit bitter, they're constantly like um, comparing Herbert and Tua, and I don't see where it comes from from their point of view. And I mean, I don't want to. Make, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, tangent here. I don't want to make an anti Miami podcast or anything like that or episode. But I don't understand where the animosity comes from. They wanted Tua. 
They got their guy. There was no beef between the players or the teams beforehand. There's no controversy. But Dolphins fans seem to take it on them to kind of compare the two the whole time. Mm. Whereas yeah. I don't think there's a comparison to make. Like Justin's having a far superior season. Mm. But like it's all one way. Like the Chargers fans aren't coming and like taking a dump on tour or anything like that. Or really even talking about him. We're kind of just buzzing that we've got Herbert and he looks great, you know, but Dolphins fans can't take Herbert's name out of their mouth sometimes and I don't understand where it comes from. Maybe it's just, maybe in some respects they're thinking, oh, we wish we did have this guy and we try we try and make ourselves believe that this was the better pick. <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know, but it's something I noticed recently and um, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand it, to be honest with you. I think they'd both be great quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. I don't have anything against Tua at all. You know, he's had a yeah. a slower start than Justin, but that's probably down to health and not playing the full time. Yeah, and also the fact that you know Miami's offensive line hasn't really given him a helping hand a lot of the time, and yeah. you've got a a gamer kind of veteran quarterback in there who can win you some games anyway. So you know yeah. they're, they're happy to roll with Ryan Fitzpatrick every now and then yeah. to start the season, and he'll get you some wins, which he did do. You know they're in a great position; they're in a better position than we are. So yeah. just enjoy it. <laughs> also as well, I think that they Tua doesn't have to do as much as Herbert because the defence and the special teams units are so cool. much full force superior for the Dolphins. Mm. So in the highlight reel, most of the time it looks like Herbert's doing it all for the charges, whereas the Dolphins, their special team unit over the, the course of them four or five weeks was just absolutely insane. So they, they didn't need him to throw for free, <laughs> like 300 yards and free touchdowns. Like it's just not... He's, he's he's done it once in the since I think he's done it once this year, but mm. they it's not like we have we haven't seen him having to go and win a game for them at the moment, whereas we have with Herbert. So you could I think maybe that's where you where you can compare the two is at the mm. moment you haven't quite seen two as potential in that respect, whereas Herbert at the moment is fighting for his life and keep trying to keep the charges afloat basically in some respects. Yeah, yeah, I'd go along with that for sure. Um, but like you said, I think you summed it up quite nicely. You know, it's they're both going to be absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, they might play each other in a playoff game and things like that. We've all faced the Dolphins yep. over their careers many times, probably. Yep. You know, and they'll have a bit of a rivalry on the field, but I don't think it's anything personal or anything that yeah. the fans need to get into. It's, yeah. It seems a bit bizarre to me, that's all. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything out of this game? Obviously, the Chargers won, don't make it too negative. Is there anything that concerned you at all with this game? Um, I, I think it's still highlighted like the fact where we need offensive line. I think that was it, it wasn't quite they weren't they weren't perfect again. Mm. Um, I think, like I said, I think we was really happy like offense um, with the wide receivers. Thought they played really well. Thought uh, Vigil and Murray played really well at linebacker. I thought that it was one of their better games um, as a pairing. Mm. Um, um, and then I don't I don't think there was anything really worrying. Like you said, I think that the last two games is actually they've been enjoyable to watch where we haven't sort of like been absolutely horrendous on one's phase. <laughs> this year we've been either horrendous on offense, horrendous on defense, or horrendous on special teams, which is normally Trump the trump card of of most of it. Yeah, and sure. Last two games haven't quite been like that, so they've been more of a pleasure to watch because there hasn't been something that's sort of slapped you in the face thinking like this is absolutely horrendous like what is going <laughs> on like something's broken down whatever has gone on but there is there's always been something in the game which you've just been you've been shocked at how bad it's been but between obviously the falcons game and this game that's not been the case so we'll tr- I'm, I'm more than happy to stay on the positive sort of positive side of these two games and there wasn't really anything that sort of glared out obviously you can do certain aspects better there was there's there was certain aspects that could have been better maybe but i would say that the majority of this game was 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 pretty good yeah it was pretty good game to be fair to them so you're making me a bad cop bringing up all the negative stuff then (laughs) (laughs) do you are you not a bit concerned that the coaches didn't really seem to adjust to Marcus Mariota. And he kind of he looked like a starter again, didn't he? Especially, you know, didn't adjust to him running at all. And he got fooled yeah. so many times. It was kind of frustrating for me. We've, we, we, we have been saying it, though, that one, we've noticed it a few times with co- the coaches that once something happens, they're not quick enough to 
stop that straight away. But that that's been happening all season, and they it wasn't that they could they they didn't stop it. I think they just allowed the they allowed Las Vegas to just have something in the game, which was Mariota's legs in some respects, where they sort of we don't want you to have this. We don't we we want to try and take this away because I thought like the wide receivers were pretty. They were they were pretty much held up for most of the game. Obviously, mm. the, the Waller was not marked at all. They should have double teamed him. How they let him get 150 yards and a touchdown. But we've been doing that against tight ends all year, so it's not. It wasn't really a surprise. It was another thing from the Chargers where it was just one of them ones where it's uh, the Chargers are just letting them do that again. Like we, mm. we've been horrendous against the tight ends all year, so that it was it was nothing <laughs> was new. Um, but I think they kind of just let Mario have use his legs a bit more, maybe than they should have done. Yeah. Um, but it's not. Sometimes I think that you can. It's no difference. Like I saw, I heard Romo talking about when the Saints were playing the Chiefs this weekend, and you can either have you can be like death by a thousand cuts because they'll just carve you up with short intermediates with crossovers and little bits, or it's like, do you want to die a, a quick death and just <laughs> beat by like Mahomes' great big arm straight away. So it was, and with, with that sort of aspect, when you take them into games, I think that teams, Patriots are pretty well renowned for doing it is they'll let you have something in the game and mm. they'll let you, they'll isolate certain aspects. They'll let you have, right, we'll, we'll let you run the ball because you can't, you never finish a play. So we'll, we'll let you run the ball in between the sticks. And when it gets to the end, we'll block it up. And I think that there's a lot of teams that do that in the league. And I think that with the Chargers, I think they kind of, they beat against the tight end, they've been horrific. We're not going to, I can't, I can't defend them against that. But I think that with Mariota, I think obviously they game plan for Carr, the injury happened. They didn't, they didn't react to Mariota quick enough. Um, and then by the time they did, the game was kind of it, it was it was going in a different direction, and I think they just said, "All right, well, we'll, we'll kind of let you have that because we know Mario hasn't got the arm of Car to be able to do this, mm. so we'll let him we'll let him run more. We'll let Jacobs carry because Jacobs had twenty six carries in the game, so like they were trying to establish the run. They only got seventy six yards, so I think yeah, we've done well. well do you know what I mean? Like, I think they've done really well, like holding the run back. I think they just sort of said, "Well." If, if it means that it opens the play action up more and Mariota gets a few yards and so be it sort of thing. So it, it, it you kind of just, I think they kind of just let them have it in some respects with that Mariota, with the Mariota um, nine carries for 88. Mm, I think you're being a bit too kind to our coaching staff. <laughs> I think that would imply a, a higher level of competence than we've seen over the the course of the season. I think that my, my honest opinion is they were prepared for Derek Carr they're obviously prepared for Josh Jacobs. You know, they did a really good job on him and, you know, they continued to carry out that part of the game plan. Yeah. But then they didn't adjust when Mariota came in, a completely different type of quarterback, obviously much more capable yeah. with his legs than Derek Carr will ever be. Although it's ironic that Derek Carr got uh, injured while he was scrambling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was thinking, you know, obviously I was watching it. I wasn't like watching it live. I was watching it in the morning afterwards. I was thinking... Brilliant, Derek Carr's not brilliant. That's not the right word. That makes it sound like I was celebrating his injury, which I certainly wasn't. But I was pleased for the Chargers that he wasn't going to play anymore. You know, in that game, Mario hasn't done anything you new know, for quite a while now, and yeah. he's not very. He doesn't take a lot of risks. So I'm thinking, well, they're not exactly going to open up the passing game. They're going to go through Jacobs, which you know at that point was still relatively early, but we weren't you know looking like we were going to get carved open by Josh Jacobs all day. You know, and you're thinking, well, that's that's all right. But then you're just thinking, well, you're not like setting any wire, doing your defensive line, you're not doing anything to like spy him, you're not doing anything to actually stop him from you know taking every read option, yeah, ten yards down the field. And you know, we obviously saying in football that if the defense can't stop it, just keep doing it. I'm not sure why John Gruden didn't just keep doing it because we ain't stopping <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, um, but yeah, he obviously found his sweet spot in Darren Waller. And he ripped us apart. Um, like you said, can't really defend that too much. But he was pretty much the only receiver that did anything, you know. Yeah. And they just kept pressing that button. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was a bit disappointed with how little they um, kind of adjusted to Mariota and his sort of style of play, as opposed to the car. I thought, like I said before, they didn't really adjust the game plan too much. And this is what I'm coming on to the coaches, and this is kind of how I'm setting it up. Is I hope that these couple of wins, and if we win on Sunday, which I feel is quite likely against Denver, 
I hope these last three wins aren't going to keep everyone in a job and they're going to go, well, yeah, you did win three games towards the end of the season. Yeah, let's give you another year because I'll be so deflated. <clears throat> I don't, I think, I think the writing's on the wall already, mate, to be honest. I, I hope I've so. Got, I've got the, I've got the feeling and you can kind of get the gist from the beat reporters and just, just some of the whisperings that are coming out that it's basically just, they're trying to save face at the moment, just trying to keep like, they're just going to keep ball rolling until the Black Monday comes, and then and then I think it's it's good night. Like I'd, I'd be utterly shocked, like beyond belief, if any <laughs> of them kept their job, just because of how this season. You, there's just been multiple times, multiple times where you just look at it and go, "What are you doing? What are mm. you doing?" Yeah, coach? yeah, for sure. Um, and a, a win against, to be honest. It could come down to this. This is this will be the only game, with the only team, because it could even be that we've we would have beaten the Jags, the Bengals, the Jets, and the Falcons, and they could be the top four picks. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean, so it's not like we've been be, be, beating absolute studs. If, and then um, if the if we beat say if we beat the Broncos, sorry to interrupt you by the way. That's right. If we beat the Broncos and the Raiders don't win another game, then we won't have beaten one team with a winning record. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, what the other thing that I don't want to happen is the sort of half in, half out version of the story where Gus Bradley loses a job, Shane Slacken goes, and Lynn's kept on and sacrifices those two, or yeah. a kind of. B scenario of that where Bradley goes and Ling goes and Slyken gets promoted to head coach and you know you kind of have that continuity still don't know that's happened I want to kind of clear house and yeah really yeah uh, the only one like you said I, I wouldn't mind keeping Pep Hamilton yeah. involved yeah I think that goes without saying at this point I think with the way that Herbert's progressed and the sort of glowing reports that we've kind of heard about that and his sort of relationship. And as much as we were talking about last week when we were mentioning Lynn not really standing with Sideshow and things like that, you always see Pep and Justin together, always talking things over on the iPad, always talking, you know, about the game in, in situations and things like that. And you can see that they've fostered a really nice relationship there. So I'll be really yeah. keen for that to continue for sure. Yeah, definitely. I guess the other thing is um, to mention... And it's what prolonged the game into overtime was Badger's field goals. I mean, I think we mentioned it, but he's got two more games left, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, I just don't know how he has still got a job. But most of these teams, after they'll give them two or three weeks, and if they're if they're absolute pony still, they, they there's someone else comes in and they're out of a job. Like, it happens in every team. You see it every year. Like, like. You'll notice it more if you play fantasy football. Like you'll mm. go and pick a kicker up, and then they'll be like, "Oh, during this week, he, like he he missed a few kicks last week, and they just brought someone else in, and then they just go, yeah, we're just going to cut you.' <laughs> like so, you're thinking, mm. oh, "I've just picked this kicker up, and he's just been cut, and they're just bringing someone else in." Like <laughs> it happens a lot during the season. It so, does. like, yeah. I'm absolutely shocked he's still got a job. To be honest, like he is. It's just not been his year. Um, and it started started to tail off at the end of last year, but you kind of give the kid the benefit of the doubt. But you, you literally every time he sort of steps foot, you just got zero confidence in him. Yeah, and he, I don't think he's got a lot of confidence in himself. He seems to be second guessing because he'll miss left, then he'll miss right. It's like he's overcorrecting, yeah, rather than just not thinking about it and kicking. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he was really good towards the, you know the beginning of his career, but like you say, this season and the end of last, he's really tailed off. And like I say, he seems to be. He's got he's got the yips and he's never got out of it. And yeah. like, I, I hope hope is again not the best phrasing. Um, seems like I'm reveling this sort of thing. And again, I'm not. But I may be thinking that they haven't got rid of him because they know that they're going as well, and they don't yeah. want to. They kind of I don't know. Not I don't want to say like pussying out the decision, but you know they don't want to make that decision because they're all going to go anyway. So I'll let someone else make that decision for them. Yeah. Same reason why they didn't. Properly fired George Stewart. Yeah. You know, they, they know the writings on the wall, as you mentioned. So maybe this yeah. is evidence to, to that point, really. Yeah, I think so. Because I think that if they were trying, if they thought that they were going to keep their job, I think they'd be making moves to try and keep it. 
Yeah, let's hope so anyway, because I'm I'm still in the boat. I know, I know we've said we've enjoyed the last couple of wins, and mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm you know I've changed my mind a little bit. Even though I'm a big draft person, um, I I'm not too bothered considering my rankings are a bit hazy from four to ten at the moment, and what positions might be sweet spots for good players that I want in that draft position. I've kind of changed my mind now. I want a winning feeling. I want to kind of enjoy watching Chargers football on Sundays and not go to bed pissed off <laughs> every yeah, week. Exactly. You know, end the year in a high. Get, you know, I've said before, get these players feeling good about what they're doing and, mm-hmm. and winning some games, and, and hopefully carrying that feeling over to next year. Yeah. Especially because these division wins, you know, mean a lot. Because you know, you can beat the Falcons. They're not going to play them for four more years, most likely anyway. And um, you know, these Raiders games, these Broncos games, and you know, if we can pull it out against the Chiefs, or just put up a good fight again, you know, these these games matter. We're going to play these guys every year. Yeah. So if we can get a couple over on them. Because, you know, if you're sitting here as the Chargers or even the other three teams in the division and thinking, well, the Chargers haven't won a game against the three of us since 2018, you're thinking, well, that's a mental block, surely, you know. Yeah, to, 100%. You have to overcome from, and you know, you think, you know, you're already a couple of points up as you're walking on the field because you've never won against these teams for two years. Yeah. But if we can overcome that this year, you know, get that monkey off our back, same way as what we thought we did when we beat Kansas City in the last second. With that two-point conversion, you know that was a, a big weight off our backs then. Yeah, obviously didn't not actually beat them again since. But it's you know it's a nice feeling, isn't it? You know, it breaks the the chain of of losses against these guys. And like I say, these are the most important games in the, in the calendar. Yeah, divisional games are is bragging rights as well. And like you said, it does give you a lift going into basically into the season beyond obviously you have divisional games early on and then obviously a lot of divisional games closer to the end of the season mm-hmm. and it does give you a bit more of a momentum swing um just going into next year for trying to establish what you think and also like you said the, the bragging rights of it all that you don't really want to be them uh, the divisional team that just get beat every year do you know what i mean mm-hmm. and yeah yeah, it's one of the one of the ones that you just, you can't get over the hump in that respect because it, like you said, mentally it can be uh, it can be a pretty hard one to get over. Yeah, I bet, I bet. Uh, just a last positive ending to this um, game coverage before we move on to talk about cornerbacks. Justin Herbert nailed on rookie of the year. I think so. Yeah, I think. Yeah, the, I mean we're incredibly biased, obviously, but yeah, I think the only per <laughs> there's. One one other person, which is Chase Young, that's only gonna that's gonna that's gonna push him to the the uh, mm-hmm. rookie of the year awards. I think that Chase Young will win defensive rookie of the year. Um, there's the only person that he's got to try and compete with is uh, Jeremy Chin from the Panthers. I think he's had a great year. Mm. Um, and then I think the only offensive player that's worthy of talking about for offensive player of the year is Justin Jefferson. I think that yeah, what that kid's done yeah. at, there has been phenomenal. So I think that they're the four best rookies this year. And I think it's not really close between anyone else. Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, I think Justin's been the best rookie anyway, just, you know, as a straight question, but obviously it's a quarterback award anyway, you know, yeah. he does that every like in his corner as well, but it'd be nice. Another one for Tom Tlesco, you know, it's the third rookie of the year that he'll have picked with both from James. Yeah. Um, if Herbert, you know, rightly takes home that award. So yeah, no, good, good for him and good to kind of get some wins under his belt as well, personally. Because you know, obviously it took a little while to get his first one, and um, yeah, they, they're coming in, and it, you know, like I said before, the, the losses weren't his fault ever, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. You know, so yeah, good for him, and uh, kind of beginning to build like a lot of confidence in Justin Herbert now. Like you know, when you get a new rookie quarterback, it's like, oh, I'm not really sure how he's going to be. You know, he's good in college, but is he going to step up? You got little questions, and you're kind of on tent hooks, aren't you, when you're watching him? But now I'm going to Sunday like with almost like supreme confidence that he's yeah. going to be great. <laughs> And I think that as well, you can really tell uh, just by watching each game each week that he's he's progressing as a quarterback as well. Mm. Like what he's learned in the last, I'd probably say three or four months has been outstanding compared to what I thought he, the position he would would be in. Like obviously, we, we thought he was going to be redshirted anyway. Let's just yes. we all thought that that was going to happen. So for him to even come in like he has, and then you kind of think that oh well. The bubble's going to burst. The bubble's going to burst. Some of the games, it's not gone its way, but that's not 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 down to Justin. That's just down to the coaches that have been involved in that. And for him to be able to put up the numbers, calling the plays, especially like with the camaraderie he's got between all of his teammates, it's not like he's been reliant on the run game or reliant on somebody else. It's he's been spreading this ball around. He's been using the whole of this offense. 
he's just becoming, he's growing as a quarterback in front of our eyes, which is just great to see. And mm. long may it continue, really. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that, you know, once the other teams have some tape on him next year, I'm sure they'll be a bit more tough in, in certain circumstances. But I've still got supreme confidence that he'll overcome that and, yeah. you know, he'll continue to grow. And we've got a great one on our hands, which is obviously the best news possible coming off, you know, another great quarterback that we've had for the past 15 years. And you can go, yeah. as we mentioned a few times over the year, you know, going from one to another directly is invaluable, really. Definitely. So, yeah, that's the, the Raiders game. Obviously, like I say, great win. Um, hoping and quite positive, actually, about another one um, on Sunday against Denver Broncos. So another divisional win, hopefully racking up um, in the near future. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on then to, we're going to talk about cornerbacks then. We're going to kind of do similar to what we did last week when we talked about edge defenders. We're going to kind of look at the areas of need for the Chargers and kind of go through, well, some free agents, some draft prospects that we might be able to pick up and uh, kind of start our rebuild a little bit as uh, we get towards the end of the season because obviously the Chargers season really have only got two more games to run. Mm-hmm. So obviously you led, you led on this one last week. Um Kick us off with you know who you're kind of looking at from the free agency pool and any kind of um, young guys that you're thinking about as well in terms of uh, draft picks and things like that. Well, our guys obviously everyone knows that um, Davis is, is up this year. Um, he's our one of our biggest free agents. Um, obviously, we we were hoping that he'd be cornerback four. He's obviously turned into cornerback two. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and he for all his sins. He's done okay this year. Like it's not been it's not been perfect, but probably value for money is actually for three million quid. He's actually he's actually performed okay. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd go along with that. I know I'm a big bit of a detractor of his every now and yeah. then. Quite 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 a lot actually. <laughs> but yeah, um, he's done all right. Yeah, I agree. Um, like you said, we, there'll be an option to see what's going. I think it's going to massively come down to coaches' defensive scheme. Um, do they want him back through the building, etc.? The, whoever comes in as coaches will do their research on that. You've got Campbell up for um, for free agency as well, um, and uh, Brandon Faison. So they're the only guys. Um, they're um, exclusive rights free agent and restricted free agent. But personally, uh, I could do with them not being on the <laughs> on the roster next year. We were talking about. Obviously, we can talk about it maybe a lot later on down the line about Casey Hayward because obviously mm. the performances haven't been great. Um, two million of dead cap, uh, nine million salary, so it's eleven million cap for next year. So it'll be interesting to see how the Chargers move that money or change that money because it seems like that's not exactly value for money at the moment. So that will be interest, interesting to see how they go with that route. Free agency wise, it's it's a bit of a strange one again. Free agency is very similar to edges. You've got some aging guys on there. Um, you've got your sort of Josh Normans, Logan Ryans, Richard Shermans, Patrick Petersons, all obviously early to late 30s. Mm. Um, there's a couple of guys that are interesting. I'm I'm pretty big on the Bengals guys, to be honest. Um, I'm big on William Jackson, uh, was when he came out of Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, 29s, obviously slightly elder. Um, but I think that he, if you were looking at the second phase of free agency, um, he's, he's someone that would definitely... Um, I would definitely look at and Mackenzie Alexander obviously he's 28 um, so he's kind of getting towards the end of that one as well um, he was I think he was drafted by the Vikings and then he went to the Bengals that's right um, the Cle- was he Clemson I think he was I that's I right remember. again yeah yeah a, a Clemson guy um, so um, he'd be one to look at I think the Bengals um, corners have done pretty well this year they're pretty feisty guys and I think that if you're looking at getting a phase two kind of guy through the door from free agency, like the second round of guys, there's going to be the big guys flying off the board. I personally think that uh, the big name is probably JC Jackson, but he's a restricted free agent for the, for the, um, for the Patriots. Mm. Um, and he's done very well this year tw- at 26. I think that they're more likely to keep JC Jackson in the building than ask Stefan Gilmore, if I'm honest. So, um, that could be a potential where there's a few guys cut, but most of the guys that are up um, are pretty uh, on the Asian side, but there will be a few that get paid. Um, you've got, just trying to look through. Yeah. I personally think Patrick Peterson will be paid. Uh, Josh Norman um, would probably get another contract somewhere. Maybe. <laughs> don't know um, why. <laughs> why people keep paying. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, oh. Jimmy Smith could get a contract, obviously another, another aging guy, mm. uh, but the, there's not, 
there's not huge, huge names like your big standout, like your Byron yeah. Jones from last year, etc. That that was, that, that, and obviously Chris Harris and stuff that everyone was like, these guys are going to get paid. Um, I don't really see that there's going to be an influx of uh, people wanting to pay too much money for some of these corners. But there's some interesting names out there, and there will be players that get overpaid as as they do every year. But I, I would probably say the Bengals guys, Mr. Kendi Alexander, William Jackson, um, and maybe if you're looking at more towards, say, if Michael Davis doesn't resign, you could look to someone um, that's very similar to him, and then go back to because obviously we've got Casey Hayward from there as well. Someone like Kevin King. Um, very tall in stature, pretty quick, um, pretty rangy guy would be very similar to Davis if you're kind of trying to get a carbon copy. Um, and if you're looking a bit closer to home, maybe someone like Troy Hill from the Rams, um, obviously a smaller guy, but um, might be able to do the business um, in and around with some of the quick guys as well. So it, there's, there's, there's some interesting names out there. There's no superstars. There's no anyone that I'd be wanting to go out there and absolutely hammer home some money on. But that'll be interesting to see how the Chargers obviously look to re-sign Davis if they wanted to, or mm. go out um, and and maybe dabble in getting someone else through the door. I think it's going to come down a lot in free agency to if they're going to renew or cut or change or restructure Casey Hayward, and that will come down because they're the they're if they do then you're still looking at Harris and Hayward still on the roster. So you're still going to get an another guy, which could obviously be looking towards a draft for. Um, yeah. but if not, then there's obviously that there's obviously the return of Michael Davis, which is a possibility. And also they can also look at someone, say like William Jackson or Mackenzie Alexander or Kevin King to fill that other role if they're looking at not towards a draft and the draft doesn't fall their way. Yeah. So that would be it for free agents. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone that you've seen free agency wise or what, any any I think you've summed it up quite nicely. I think obviously Patrick Peterson's your biggest free agent out there. Obviously got the biggest wage at the minute, not gonna be going anywhere near him. It'd be a really unchargerish move, let's say. Obviously Richard Sherman there as well, but obviously getting on in age fair bit. I think they'll keep Michael Davis around. I think we'll give him Case Hayward's money and I think um, Case Hayward will be cut. I think I was saying this last week. Oh, I can't yeah. remember if it's on the podcast or just between us, but mm -hmm. I think Case Hayward will be gone at the end of the year. Um, you know, age 32, just after the season begins in, in, in you know, next year. I'm not backing him to come back from that. So I think they'll give Michael Davis Case Hayward money and then be looking to refill behind him. I don't mind it. I think he'll probably be overpayment for Michael Davis, but he's an in-house sort of player looking after your own, things like that. Chargers loves to do that sort of thing. Yeah. William Jackson would be my number one target. Exactly right with what you've, what you've mentioned. Whether Cincinnati will want him out of the building is questionable because obviously he's their best corner as well. Yeah. Especially after they lost Mac Alexander and Denard last year. That would yeah. represent quite a lot of turnover from their room. Uh, but yeah, if you can be if you can be caught away, then yeah, brilliant. It'll solve um, you know a big problem because I think not having two reliable corners this year has really hurt us, especially because yeah. uh, the other secondary elements have been suffering as well. There were quite a decent amount of second and third level guys that I'd take a little look at, you know, you know, because if we're saying that Davies is going to be a combat one if we're getting rid of uh, Haywood, and if you're looking for a free agent, you know, if you want to go to the draft in different ways, things like that. Then there's a few names out there that you've mentioned and a couple that you've not. I liked Kevin King. He was one that I was I was going to mention myself. I actually quite liked him coming out of Washington a few years ago um, myself. And then there's uh, Chidobi Awuzi from the Cowboys as well. I don't mind him so much. I quite liked him a few years ago. Again, yep. coming out of the Pac-12, coming out of um, Colorado. And then you come a little bit further down the list and there was Shaq Griffin as well who has been a bit up and down in Seattle, but he makes plays. So yeah. he's another one that I wouldn't mind taking a little run at. He's not been paid very much because obviously he was quite a late draft pick. Yeah. Um, and he's another one that I wouldn't mind taking a look at. And then, 26. Yeah, yeah. I, I think all these three guys that I've mentioned are all 26. So, you know, they're good age. You know, they're coming into their second contract of their rookie years, things like that. And you're thinking, well, they've really not got to kick on. Otherwise, you know, they're not likely to be you know, massively paid, so you're not going to spend him big dollars or anything like that. But you know, they wanted to stick around in the league. They're probably going to take like a mid-range deal, which is the type that the Chargers specialise in. And yeah. Tom Flasco loves to give out to people. You know, one-year prove-it deal, kind of did it with Haywood. Pick one of these guys and, and go with it. So, yeah, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against giving any of these guys that we mentioned. You know, a one-two-year deal, 
with a little ripcord in the middle of it if uh, you know things don't work out well. Mm-hmm. One other guy who I want to mention, um, Jason Brett. He's played 11 games this year. <laughs> Most he's played for a long time. What do you reckon? Would you have a little sniff? Get the band back together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's obviously a fantastic player, just obviously couldn't stay on the field, but he's kind of proved his health a little bit over the past year. I think that that could be a very viable solution if they cut Hayward. Yeah, I mean, I'd love it because he was fantastic, wasn't he? He's 30 mm. now, and obviously he spent a lot of the time on the treatment table. Yeah. I don't know if it's a sentimental thing. That I've you know I've, when I've been doing a little bit of research, obviously, on the, the free agents, things like that. I've spotted his name straight away, and you're thinking, oh, it would be great. But yeah. then again, is it sensible? <laughs> because, yeah. um, like I said, he did spend a lot of time not on the field, didn't he? Well, you, like you said, you, uh, uh, you can never really have enough corners. So if if it got, got to the point where Verrett's still hovering around on free agency and you're talking about three or four weeks into free agency, then why not? Like you said, you, you know, the guy knows the building. I'd rather have him than Brandon Faison, put it that way. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah very true. So there's a possibility if you if if he's still hovering around and you think do you know what we can get a guy back that knows the building, knows the franchise, just he's been here before, um, knows some of the guys in the locker room, knows some of the, the staff. Like the yeah. you can all the, like there there would be no harm in in doing that, especially while he's been away and and kind of got his fit. It's like sending a player out on loan in Premier League. Like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of sent him out and like he's, he's got his fitness back up and certain things and he's kind of got his mojo back. And do you know what? Mm. There's no harm in bringing him back if, if you can get him in, in through the door for that sort of 900,000 fee or whatever, if no one's going to pay him. So you never know what happens in free agency. There's, there's always some shocks where you see some players get completely overpaid and then there's other guys you're just thinking how are they not signed yet i can't believe they're not signed yeah, it kind yeah. of happened in some respects with chris harris that yeah how yeah. much we got him through the door for in the end we we're like we got him in the door for five million people were talking about he's gonna get paid 15 million a year like how has that happened so there's always some shocks down the road yeah for sure and like i said before i wouldn't, wouldn't mind wouldn't mind seeing him back so yeah and there's a, i think there's it's a much deeper pool than what we were discussing last week with the edge guys let's say that yeah, but there's no, there's no other than Patrick Peterson. Maybe there's no real creme de la creme. No, no, I yeah, I completely agree with that. And I mean, even Patrick Peterson's thirty-one, and you know yeah. how he's going to want to go to a contender, isn't he? If he's going to leave Arizona, he's going to want to go to I don't know Steelers or yeah, I could see like that. Who... I could see him at the Chiefs to be honest. Get get re- reconnected with Tyron Matthew. Yeah, uh, true. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, they need they need well three or four corners, don't they as well? So. Yeah. It, it would definitely be a fit, but I think yeah, Patrick Peterson will be looking to go to a contender a couple of years, maybe pretty similar to what Revis used to do, yeah. where he used to go somewhere for a year, have a shot at getting the championship and you know, see where he can go next, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, obviously not my forte, the, the free agency, that's much more sort of your domain. But yeah, mm-hmm. flipping over to uh, draft sort of prospects, things like that. Really good cornerback class this year. Quite a deep cornerback class. Lots of names. Uh, some names that you recognise as well, like Asante Samuel Jr., who obviously his dad played in the league uh, a few years ago. But there's a lot of a lot of good good players. Um, maybe one or two that are really up there. You know, we're not talking about the best players in the draft. But Patrick Satane from Alabama, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, who sat out this year, and then J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Probably your your tier two guys. They're the first two guys that I mentioned. And J.C. Horn's kind of the best of the rest, really. Yeah. Um, these guys probably would take the ninth pick or they're, they're about to obtain, you know, especially Tame and Farley, they might be gone even before then, uh, depending on how the draft order kind of falls and, you know, who's there and who needs a corner, things like that. Um, but I don't think the drop-off is too great. I think we could actually trade back or, you know, um, pick one up in the second round. But I do think it's a, a, a position of need that we need to sort out early doors because, like I say, in my mind, if I'm the GM, Casey Hayward's gone. We've got Michael Davis. We then have Tavon Campbell and Faison as your other guys. Mm-hmm. And with that, you know, I'm lukewarm on keeping both of them. Sometimes you just need to keep guys just so it's not all a new cast kind of thing. Yeah. I wouldn't mind doubling down on corners. You know, we've got a couple of extra picks this year. I wouldn't mind taking a couple. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah. I watched a lot of tape on some of these guys. And even if I'm honest, n- no one even blew me away, even at the top. 
they've got the problems have, at the top, haven't they? All of them have got their problems. Like I noticed with Satane, athleticism wise, he's not he's not the fastest of guys. And I, I always come back to winning the division. Mm-hmm. And for me, you're against like he'd do well against Cortland Sutton, but he'd be horrendous against Tyree Kill, and he'd be horrendous against Henry Ruggs. So how would you line him up? How would you win your division with him? Not saying that it's the be all and end all, but I always do think that it does a lot of a lot of GMs look at how this because obviously it's six games of your <laughs> of your yeah, it's a big um, portion of your schedule, it's a big isn't it? portion of your schedule every year. So and they're the they're the only games you can really plan because obviously everything changes in respects to like you play different teams of course over the like them four and then them different four and, and like obviously there's a lot of circulation a lot of change in the NFL but each all the divisional teams I'd say over the last two to three years have all they've all got very distinctive sort of aspects of how they're how they're how they run and how yeah. they build. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think that that's the only thing because you can't really plan a lot in the NFL. You can just do what you do and and, do, and hope for the best and, and and plan against the things that you can see that and, and divisional wise that makes a ton of sense. So when I do look at these corners, there is a lot a, a lot of them that I don't know how well they would match up in the, in divisional games for us. And like I did like Satane. I think that how how he uses the field um, to get to to basically you. Like an extra defender kind of thing. Yeah, so it's kind of like pin the quarterback can only go in this certain area, and the likelihood is he's not going to get it in that area. And if he does, mm. if he comes down with the ball, he's going to get pushed out of bounds. I like the yeah. way he hogs the line. Um, and obviously with Farley, you're talking about a player that was injured in 18, played well in 19 and sat out in 20. So you're kind of always worried about that. Is he one of your wonder? He's got the athleticism, but you haven't seen it over a period of time. And then... I actually think that, <coughs> sorry, I actually think that Horn on tape was the better prospect. Super physical, think, isn't he? <laughs> I personally think he's like it. This is, I don't know how the draft test process is going to go, but just off the tape I've watched, I think that Horn would be one for me, actually. Satane would be two and Farley would be three. So there's, there is aspects I like. And there's aspects I don't like from some of these guys, and it would still make me nervous to say they're a top five, maybe top ten pick. But I wouldn't be I wouldn't be disheartened to take a corner because you kind of got to take corners that early because everyone everyone likes to take these big corners and big names. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're always pretty early on in the draft. So them three definitely would be um, would probably be the first three that go. There's a lot of talk at the moment that Eric Stokes from Georgia will be the fourth guy taken. Um, I think that them four are, um, are definitely locked in as first round picks. And then you've got Kendrick from Clemson, I think that would be the fifth guy. I think mm. them five are definitely first rounders. How they go, what order and how the draft process pushes them forward, we'll soon find out. But there is some interesting guys later on, um, further on. Yeah, definitely. Depth wise. And obviously there's some guys that are like slot guys really oh. but if you're saying that if you've got Harris there that's going to operate that and you're you're happy with him next year and you could even say that Nas could do some of that and Derwin could do some of that then do we need, really need to go after someone like Molden from Washington or Samuel from Florida State mm. um, do you know what I mean do we really need to look at them guys um, there's uh, Shakura Brown from Michigan State I watched a bit of tape on him um, that he looks pretty good but he's just a slot guy and um there's two App State guys that they did take my interest as well, which was Jolly, which was more of a slot. But there's a Shamar John Charles, which I watched a little bit on him, and I thought he was pretty good. Mm. Um, so there's, there, like you said, there's some interesting guys there. I definitely think that it's, we have to address the position, um, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be against us doubling down. I just think that, oh, in my head, I've got this. Oh, we need to take offensive linemen. Um, keep, yeah. keep Justin, yeah, keep so. Justin, keep Justin safe um, is the <laughs> priority for me. So if we, if we spent seven draft picks on offensive linemen, I think I'd come away very happy. Like, <laughs> um, but there's, but corner definitely, yeah, is, is one that we probably would need to definitely sort out between rounds. For me, if you don't take one in round one, then you're looking at two, three, and four that maybe 
you could take one or two, especially if you've got the Philip Rivers pick with two thirds. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at um, yeah offensive line and corner being your first and second pick. Don't mind what order it is. Depends on you know how the build falls, things like that. You know, if you're looking at the ninth pick, let's say just for argument's sake, and the top three guys that we've just been mentioning are kind of gone, then you don't want to reach for someone at nine. You want to take an offensive line, maybe move around. I don't know. Um, yeah. But yeah, you don't want to kind of you want to get good value out of it, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, one guy that you, that you didn't really mention that I kind of like um, is the other Georgia guy, Tyson Campbell. You know, and you're thinking exactly what you've just mentioned about um, the winning the division and, and Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Michael Davis is the kind of guy that we match up on Tyreek Hill and he does a reasonable-ish job on him. Tyson mm-hmm. Campbell was a, a track and field guy in high school as well, so he's going to have that speed. He's also six foot two, so he's got that kind of, kind of length, athleticism combination that you're looking for especially when you're having to look after these guys (laughs) obviously taller than than Hayward as well so we'll be able to look after you taller receivers like you know I'm thinking like Colton Sutton for Denver and 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 other guys like that so I'm happy I'd be happy with taking him kind of in the start the second round if we don't get missing out on these other guys yeah um yeah Kendrick like you say kind of another guy who's on the rise as you mentioned um and then looking to double down and I think I don't know I'm kind of looking at Chris Harris, I'm thinking, yeah, he's great. Obviously, made a big play on the weekend, actually, we didn't mention before. Um, probably should have capitalised off that pick more than we did. But I'm thinking he's probably only going to have one more year left. You know, you've got no Desmond King. Maybe, like you say, you can have a bit of Naz in the slot, things like that. Wouldn't be adverse to that. But I am thinking about doubling down and mm-hmm. picking one of these slot-only guys to, you know, not be under pressure in year one, to have to start, to have to make plays. And they can learn from Chris Harris in year one, come in year yeah, two, true. make the start. And that's what yeah. I'm looking at. Molden's a guy who you mentioned who I really like. Makes plays, super feisty, good athlete. Um, he's a slot only guy because he's only 5'10". He's very, he's, well, not very small, but he's small. He's you know, on the smaller side and he doesn't have that <clears> Jason <throat> Brett kind of spring that that he got away with being 5'10 because he was incredibly athletic. Molden doesn't yeah. have that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take Molden in like the fourth, something like that. Kerry Vincent Jr., another uh, slot-only guy out of LSU that yeah. I'd be kind of happy to take. Um, but yeah, looking to double down for sure, maybe a little trade back, giving us some extra picks um, to take some, you know, like you say, one in the first or second round as a kind of like outside guy and then mid-round guy for um, a kind of slot-ish yeah. kind of guy who's maybe going to, like say, replace Chris Harris. Um, kind of a not a sleeper because I think he's really underrated. I don't think he should be a sleeper. But one of my favorite corners is uh, Demodore Lenore from Oregon. He's 5'11", just over 200 pounds, so he's quite thick, thickly built guy. Um, and he's just a baller again. He made a play in the Pac-12 championship game early on, got a pick that he almost took that back for a touchdown. And I feel like people are sleeping on him quite a lot. I really like him. Um, did I see, sorry, mate, to interrupt you, did I see that he might be returning though? No, I, I thought that this morning. Did you, was it one of the Pac-12 beat reporters that said something about running it back with Oregon? Yeah. I saw that exact same tweet this morning. And I was like, no, surely not. But what I think he meant, and this is the way I've interpreted it, and I did some like digging into like other Pac-12 beat reporters and also his profile on yeah. Twitter. And it didn't have anything else. What I think he meant was he declared for the draft early, then retracted it when the Pac-12 was going to go ahead. Ah, uh. So that's the way, that's exactly what I thought when I saw that. And I was like, oh no, I won't be able to mention it on the podcast later. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, I don't, I haven't seen anything else. So that's what I think he meant by that. Gotcha. Might be wrong if it comes out in the next couple of days. Obviously he's going back to Oregon. Um, yeah. He's a senior, so he'd have to, I don't know if he'd be eligible, but you know, it depends if he's graduated. But um, I do think he has actually, thinking about it. But yeah, he's another one that I like. So if you are missing out on a corner early, because he's a, he's an outside guy, you can maybe double down in the mid-rounds, getting a, a slot guy and then also an outside one. But he'd be one of the only ones that I'd be willing to take in the mid-rounds. And you know, it's questionable whether he'll kind of rise up. I think once people get, get into him over the um, the winter and after the season's finished, because, you know, it's, it's out West. People don't watch it that much. You know, and even though it's a Power 5 conference, the West guys... You know the East Coast reporters and analysts and things like that—they don't watch the West much because yeah. they're all in bed uh, when the Pac-12 is <laughs> playing. Yeah, and I think he might rise up a little bit because he's made—he's made a lot of plays over his uh, college career and he's done it on his own this season as well. Because Oregon obviously haven't played a lot of games, but also had like, quite a lot of opt-outs as well. And yeah. they had a really Graham, talented, talented secondary. Yeah, Thomas Graham and also yeah. Javon Holland, the safety, um, opted out, and as well as uh, Nick Pickett, another safety. 
or Brady, no, sorry, Brady Breeze, the other safety, opted out. So he's kind of done it on his own a little bit and he's still made plays. I think he got voted a captain this year as well. So yeah, kind of a little sleeper to watch there. But yeah, I think we've kind of covered um, a lot of the top guys, a lot of the guys that I would like to pick. A couple of names that I wouldn't like to pick. Did you come across anyone that you really didn't like when you were coming through all this? Um, of the notable guys, maybe, you know, not maybe the back end of the draft kind of guys. Uh, weirdly, you said Campbell that you liked. I watched his tape against Alabama and it was horrendous. That's Alabama, uh, though. <laughs> no, no, but Devontae Smith absolutely tore him a new one. Um, and it did make me go, oh dear, like I, I think against speed that he might struggle. But obviously, if the thing is, I've only watched a couple, a couple of games on a couple of players. So mm. sometimes I'll pick games and I'm thinking, oh, this is not. This it's good. It's, to be fair, it's good to see him struggle sometimes because you get yeah. a, a, you get both sides of the coin. Well, yeah. is Devonta Smith's been taking Derek Stingley's lunch money for a couple of years now, and Stingley's yeah. best corner next year. Yeah. So how much you can read into Devonta Smith kind of having yeah. to play with someone yeah, questionable a little bit? Yeah. I don't know, but um, there wasn't really. There wasn't really anyone that I thought. I think there's a certain, there's a few players that would struggle playing. Like one of the guys that was a name that we haven't mentioned is is Wade from Ohio State. Yeah, I think he's I think he's a pretty good. I think he was over he, he's overrated for what he is. Yeah, because I think that he is definitely <laughs> he was the guy who I had in mind when I asked you. He's definitely because he's definitely a slot guy. Yes, because he tried to play outside this year and it's really not worked. No, so. Not at all. But then if you're saying, oh, you can get him sort of like middle of the second round, say if we traded back or if we traded up from the third or something to get him, I, I wouldn't be au fait to it. It's not like I don't think he's a good player. I just think he's really one-dimensional. Yeah, um, I agree. So I think that you know, you kind of know what you're getting and in some respects. So, But if, the, if a coordinator come in and would be able to use him in the right way, and I always find with coaches that – and, and corners and there is there is a few other positions as well where coaching can really highlight how good and how bad he is at certain things so you just don't want to put your players in situations where you know they're not going to excel in and I think that with Wade I think he's going to have to fall to the right team to be able to get the most out of him if that makes sense yeah so I don't I don't know if that's us because <laughs> Because obviously I don't know who the coaches are, so for him, yeah, that's a good moment, point. So we don't actually know that yet. He'd be, do he'd be a big, massive question mark for me if we took him. Obviously, we'd know who our, our coaches at the moment uh, by the time that the draft came around. But at the moment, he would he would kind of make me nervous a little bit if we took him. Mm. Um, I did like Vincent LSU guy. I thought that he was one of my favourites. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. Um, if you're looking at sort of a mid round guy to take. Um, yeah, I was I was really hoping that I'd like Williams from Oklahoma State more. Um, okay. Everyone was talking about him as a, a guy to oh, he'd be a really good guy to take in the top of the second round. A lot of Chargers fans would be talking about it, but I wasn't I wasn't overly impressed with what mm. I saw. Um, Doesn't have a lot of production, if I remember right, either. And that's yeah, been a problem for the um, Chargers obviously over the past couple of years. From yeah, Colorado. I'm not. I'm not a big Griffin guy from USC, but he's a later round guy. Um, I'm not, um, um, and I'm not a, a Debo from Stanford guy. No, I was that he, him and Wade were the two people that I had in mind when I um, asked you this question about players that you're not, uh, you know, not wanting really or not thinking that, that the Chargers will fit very nicely with. Debo yeah. was you know, burst onto the scene, and he was like, you know, oh my god, he's got like you know loads of. Um, Big plays. He actually made a really good play against Justin Herbert actually in a game for Stanford. I think it was in Justin's junior season where they went to overtime and Herbert was making the touchdown throw to win the game and Adivo batted it away and it was a really good play. And I think it was plays like that that kind of put him on the radar. But yeah, I watched him in the summer and was really put off. Um, and I just didn't think he was very physical at all. I think he was like too much of a finesse corner. And I want my corners to be like feisty and have this like superiority complex, but I don't think he's got it. Yeah. And he used to be wide receiver, so he's not been playing corner that long. So you're gonna have to like, you know, get lucky with him kind of learning on the job almost and enhancing his skills kind of as he goes through the pros. I'm not sure he's gonna be able to do that in terms of technique, especially when you know you've got 
physical corners like Cortland Sutton, super fast corners like Tyreek Hill, other guys around the uh, around the division. And he's not a guy that you want to kind of be your cornerback one in two or three years' time. Yeah, which is what I'm which is what I'm <clears throat> looking at at the top of this draft yeah. order. I'm I'm looking to you know give Michael Davis a kind of stopgap contract, really, not like a big contract. I want the guy that we draft to become the number one in two or three years' time. And then you know, fill in behind him as we go through the next couple of years. I don't see that from a deep ball, so I don't don't want us to 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 get him. I think he's going to be a day two guy, and um, yeah, unless like I say, unless he really takes on leaps and bounds, I, I think someone's going to be really disappointed with him. Yeah, is there any sort of like late round sleepers or anyone that you think keep an eye on, like something could progress further up down the draft or? Um, there's a guy um, who at California, Cameron Bynum. He didn't play this year, but I kind of liked him when I was doing my summer scouting. Let me just pull up my report on him. If you give me two minutes. Because I think I had a third round grade on him and he's not getting talked up in those circles at all. Um, let me just find. Yeah, I had a third, um, an early third on him. So he's a three-year starter, team captain, um, played loads of games, no red flags in terms of like character or anything like that. And um, yeah, generally kind of a, a good guy, plays off in coverage, both in zone and man, plays really well. Um, he is very, very chippy. So kind of not what, the kind of opposite of what I was saying really from Adebo. He's kind of a competitor, kind of a chippy guy, kind of what I want really in my corners. Um, and he's he always gets his hand on the ball. He doesn't create too many turnovers or anything like that, but um, you know, he's always liable to get a pass deflection or disrupt the pass and things like that, which is kind of what I want. He's, you know, like I say, competitive. Um, yep. Footwork's pretty clean from what I've what I've written here. Um, like I say, he, he doesn't make a lot of splash plays. That's my biggest weakness on him. And um, he's not too physical at the line. It all comes afterwards. So that's kind of looking for flags at the next level, especially when you've got bigger, faster athletes. You need to get physical with them off the line, you know, if you're thinking about... Um, obviously not in the not in the conference anymore. But if you're thinking how physical you're going to have to be with someone like Hopkins or, you know, disrupting Tyreek Hill off the line, things like that. If you're letting him kind of get a free release, it's what we see with Keenan every week, don't we? You know, people don't get hands on him on the line. He just does what he mm-hmm. wants after that. He's not too much like you know in that sort of circle. But a guy who likes in summer and he's not really been talked up because first of all, like I say before, he's out west playing for Cal, and secondly. He's opted out this year, so not actually put any film on tape, but he has been a three-year starter, so not like your Caleb Farley kind of thing where you're worrying about the sample size <coughs> because he's yeah. had an injury, then opted out in the you know year, and he's only got this year on in between. Um, but yeah, he's he'd be one of my latest sleepers that I wouldn't have thought that anyone would be on um, in the first couple of days, I guess, unless he yeah. has, uh, starts to rise up the draft order after people kind of look at him after the season. But he's a senior as well, which obviously is another Tom Telesco favourite. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, we've got a few options there. Um, obviously, through the draft order as well. Um, have to kind of keep an eye on this thing because obviously we're going to be wanting to take a corner or two as we go through. But um, yeah, we'll keep this feature going over the next couple of weeks as we kind of see out the rest of the year. Um, might have to help maybe tackles next week. What do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably crying out for us to say about tackles. Yeah, really, um, especially like you said before after this week where we didn't really keep number ten very clean at all. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll be coming back talking about a uh, win over Denver and then uh, uh, yeah, on to, to tackles and another positive podcast, really, because we kept it really light and breezy today, which is nice after the whole season. <laughs> Definitely. Um, just quick one then on Denver, just before we, we get out of here. Um, like I said before, I'm pretty confident. I think we'll, I think we'll see him off pretty easy, actually. I've, I'm actually really confident, more confident than I've been at, about any game for quite a long time, actually. Yeah, I think that hopefully that doesn't <laughs> come back and bite yeah, us in the Because yeah, yeah. we were pretty bullish of, uh, over the Panthers and we were pretty bullish on... Um, this was our early season optimism though, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. So, um, But yeah, I do un- I do understand what you mean. I think the obviously the bit, one of the big talking points will be um, Melvin Gordon, he's kind of hit a bit of a, um, a good period, as, as I was going to say. <laughs> um, but hopefully Alan's fit. Like, I'm, I'm absolutely praying that Keenan Allen's fit for this game because I think that he could absolutely eat with um uh with their big corner out um what's his name they got him this year AJ Boye wasn't it oh yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah he's out so I think that it's it's you've noticed the drop off with the Denver secondary since he's been away 
And I think that obviously Simmons is there still, but I think the corner wise that if you had if you had Hunter and um, if you had Keenan in this game, you would absolutely eat. Mm. Um, so it's I'm really hoping that that's the case. Um, if not, I've still got more. I've still got a lot of hope. Um, I'm still very happy that with the guys that are there. Obviously, Guyton and Johnson, if they can perform as well as they did uh, against the Raiders, I think that we can put up, like you said, another good win. Yeah, keep it away from Justin Simmons on the back end, and I think we'll be all right in the secondary, to be honest, because he's a head and shoulders above any other player they've got back there, I think. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully, you know, if you get a win in this game, you're looking at potentially not finishing fourth in the division. So something to aim for, at least, you know, it's progress, isn't it? You know, not that we want to make too much progress that the coaches get to stay and keep their jobs, but it's progress nonetheless. And, you know, it's something to kind of not hang your hat on, but something to say that well, we didn't do, you know, we didn't come fourth in the division this year. Yes. And like you said, morale, you, you don't want to be the whipping boy. Like, and you start looking at our divisional record and you start saying, well, Denver have beaten us mm. twice home and away for two years running. Like, and they haven't had a quarterback for one of them years. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> It's kind of like it, some might it, say they don't have one now. Yeah, yeah, you could say that, but like you do, you don't. You just really don't want that sort of scenario to be sort mm. of start to ingrain into the franchise where you've, your divisional record's just horrendous, um, and it was starting to look that way. So that that win against the Raiders, and then again, if you can back, you can get three wins in a row. That's that's a, a monumental feat considering how badly they looked in some of the games this year and obviously I think obviously the lowest of the low was the Patriots game and it was only up from there which is they proved that they they've got up yeah it really than we thought it, was. it really has been hasn't it, actually it's a good point actually that um that kind of might have been the catalyst you know rocket up a few asses around the practice facility and um yeah it's still in good stead whether we can get four if um you know we get this one different mm-hmm. story but you know I'll, I'll certainly enjoy another win as over a divisional rival on Sunday if and when that comes. Definitely. So, yeah, um, we'll be back next week talking about the Denver game and also talking about offensive tackles and other area of need for the Chargers moving forward. But, yeah, thanks for listening. Have a great Christmas, and we'll speak to you next week. See you then.